What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Doctorly Unhinged Podcast, where we talk about off-the-cuff things in an off-the-cuff manner. Ready to get started? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's start this off. Let's get the hype started. Let's get people excited. Today, we're going to be doing a quick game with Dr. Maxfield called Splurge or Save Skincare Edition. So I'm going to name out a type of product. You're going to tell me whether or not you want to spend a lot of money on it or you're going to save some money on it. You ready to go? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. All right. So first up, moisturizer. Are you spending a lot? Or are you saving? Splurge or save? Uh, oh, I could go either way. That's not, not an acceptable answer. I could go either way. I love... It's not, not helpful for anyone. It's not helpful for anyone. I'll go save. Tentatively save. You Because you can get nice save. moisturizers for save. Like Elf Elf is a good example where their holy hydration moisturizer... I'm looking at it right now. It's it's really nice. And the Aveeno one is like pretty cheap. It's really nice. So you can get a very nice moisturizer for that dry skin or the, the whole LaRoche Posay line. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go save. I'll commit to save. They are right. some great so, products to save. <laughs> you can find some great moisturizers that are a little bit more expensive, like your skin fix moisturizer. Yeah. It's that nice being said, too. most of the time you can get away with saving here. You know, you really shouldn't be spending too much money on a moisturizer. There is plenty of moisturizers that are affordable that you can find at the drugstore that have great ingredients that are going to hydrate your skin. There's even a study that shows that more expensive moisturizers are more likely to contain allergens than less expensive moisturizers. And so I'm kind of with you here. I'd say definitely save. Okay. So save. Next question. Sunscreen, splurge or save? Oh, oh, this one's like such a trap because <laughs> I would probably splurge here splurge you, yeah you can get some really tacky sunscreen like a sunscreen can be such a miss and Ugh. i don't know i would probably splurge i the i would it depends on okay for 40 bucks for facial sunscreen i don't know if it's a splurge i think it kind of is but i think that's where the nice ones live the 30 to 40 dollar range for a facial sunscreen is what i would expect and usually find the products there really are nice the only exception might be with the Korean sunscreens. That's your budget saver with those. Yeah, um, that's a good point. So a lot of the very elegant sunscreens tend to be at a higher price point. Your ISDIN, your Alta MD tend to be a little bit more expensive. You can get affordable, really nice sunscreens from the drugstore brands like La Roche-Posay. Um, you can also get them affordable from you know, Stylevana, your Korean sunscreen brands. So definitely, so definitely, I think that this is a tough one because the, the truth is you find a sunscreen you love that you like putting on your skin and you wear it every single day. That's what we always say. That being said, I think that sunscreen is prohibitively expensive a lot of times. Even in the $40 range, think it's about that, right? You're going to put two finger lengths of sunscreen and you're going to apply it all over the face, neck and ears, and you're going to end up Using that up pretty quickly if you're using it the way that you're supposed to use it. That being said, I mean, I still recommend those products all the time. I think that they're great. But for, for a lot of people, I think that that's unrealistic. And in fact, I've gotten a lot of feedback and comments from people with, if you really want us to wear sunscreen, why is sunscreen so expensive? I don't have a good answer for that. I think we need to find a solution that is going to be a little bit more cost effective for people. But until then, I kind of agree with you. I think this is a splurge situation. Mm. Um, a lot of the sunscreens that I love tend to be a little bit more expensive, unfortunately. So yeah, um, I wish it wasn't that case, um, but it just happens to be the case. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There are budget-friendly options. There are a few, um, but again, you can really go wrong 
with and you can you know what you know worse than that so the worst it's not like you go wrong and you're out 10 bucks worst case scenario and i think what happens to a lot of people is they will buy uh the very crappy sunscreen that they just don't love and then that, that actually gets them out of the idea of wearing sunscreen altogether i think mm. a lot of people who are newer to skincare and are like okay fine you talked me into it i'll go get a sunscreen understandably i don't want to spend 40 dollars on sunscreen um, but then they get something that just like it sticks like glue to their skin it's spread mm. all over and it's clumpy lumpy and then they're done that's it. They're like, no way. I'm not doing this sunscreen thing. So I don't know. So if you're going to venture into it, it may be wet your toes with like a very nice sunscreen. Also, I'm not a big sun. I, I, I prefer clothing whenever possible. So that's a, that's one way I get out of the cost. Like obviously don't use your facial sunscreen, your $40 facial sunscreen for your whole body. Please, for the love of God, don't spend your money that way. Just wear a freaking shirt. Right. Yeah. So that being said, I think that if I am now thinking back in my brain of all the sunscreens I've recommended over my time on social media and in the office, they tend to be in that target price yeah. range that you mentioned. So, I mean, it just so happens to be how the cards lie right now. But, you know, things are always changing in skincare. So excited to see what kind of innovations come out next. All right. Next topic, splurge or save, retinol. Splurge, definitely. Retinol, retinoid, I would splurge here. I agree. I, I think it's tough to find a really great retinol product that's affordable. Uh, retinol is one of the most expensive ingredients to formulate with. And so to find a good stable retinol ingredient, especially if it's encapsulated, tends to be on a little bit of the pricier side, especially if you add in other ingredients that help to stabilize and have other benefits beyond the retinol. So um, I think this is something where it's doing most of the work in your skincare routine. You probably want to splurge on that. You're what about vitamin study. C? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before we go, there's a study on retinol because you got me going on this. There, There's a study that shows that it was anywhere from like 0% to 100% of the perceived or the the labeled retinol concentration was actually in the bottle. And that's and so because you, mm. you do see these retinol products that are like a $10 retinol and there I'm sure there are some that are real and legitimate, but it does get me suspicious because you already said it's an ingredient that's expensive to formulate with. So how are they bringing these cheap products to the market? And there was that one study, just one, and that's not something that's been replicated a lot, that did show that a lot of retinol products over the counter had as little as 0% to, I mean, no retinol in it whatsoever. So um, I do approach these ingredients with a little bit of suspicion and a little bit of a critical mind. Um, again, that's probably one reason I'm spending a little more would want to. Totally agree. Uh, what about vitamin C? Yeah you kind of have to splurge, I think. There, mm. I, I, again, I'm in that 30 to $40 price range. I think you don't have to like splurge, splurge, break the bank, $100 plus. I don't think that's necessary, but I do think that you're going to find yourself in that 30 $40 price window once again for a quality product that really has a good formula. Um, and again, concentrations unknown, maybe legitimate. Yeah, there have been some that have come in the $30 range, timeless, into wild, mm -hmm. that are using the C, E, ferulic acid combinations. That being said, I sort of agree with you that it is probably something you're going to end up having to splurge on to find a great product. What about niacinamide? Splurge or save? This is a save. My, my, my jack-of-all-trades Swiss Army knife ingredient. Um, gosh, is there even a, an expensive niacinamide product? There shouldn't be. This thing must be dirt cheap to... To work with because i can't <laughs> think of a single expensive niacinamide focused product out there right niacinamide very cheap to formulate with ubiquitous in skincare at this point you're looking for the two to five percent range ideally 
when formulating with this ingredient, but beneficial ingredient for sure. Definitely don't need to spend a lot of money on a niacinamide serum. What about hyaluronic acid? Budget. I would b definitely go budget here. What's and the most you would spend on hyaluronic acid serum? <sighs> so there is this nice one, and I'm actually pretty sure I'm allergic to it, but <laughs> I really like it. It's from pharmacy. They have these honey hyaluronic acid. They have this honey hyaluronic acid. Oh, I've tried that. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. Uh, it's very. It's mm -hmm. kind of fragrance, and I don't know what in the world is in it, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm allergic to that one. But I, I would cons. Oh, it's right here, actually. Uh, <laughs> it's right it's in, in front my of me. Pharmacy feeling good. Hyaluronic acid plumping serum. I think this is like a $30, $40 range. And this is actually tempting to me because they nailed the, the experiential side of it so well for me that mm. it made, it was enjoyable to use, I guess I'll say. So, but I, overall, like I, I would not splurge on hyaluronic acid. How much would I spend on an individual serum? Definitely less than $20. And even mm. then, it's kind of experiential because I like the way hyaluronic acid serums feel on my skin, but you don't necessarily need that as a dedicated ingredient or step either. Yeah, you definitely don't need hyaluronic acid as a dedicated product. You do want to look for high molecular weight hyaluronic acid or mixed weight. So you can find ones that are less expensive, like the Inky List and the $10 range. One of my favorite products is the Vichy Mineral 89. That is nice, though. How much is Mineral that? Mineral 89, I think, is in the $30. It's like about $29.99. Uh, Sometimes you can get it for $20. Okay, so, so I would say sub $30 for your hyaluronic acid serums. There are some nice ones um, more expensive than that. But, I mean, if you're just looking for the benefits, then you can probably find hyaluronic acid in your moisturizer anyway. And you probably don't need a dedicated serum if you're looking to save. Just drop it from your routine altogether. If you're looking for a dedicated serum, I'd say less than $30, and you'll probably still see great benefits with those products. Also, right in front of me, the <laughs> Vichy 89 Booster Serum. It is, I do really love this though. So, okay, I'll go 30 bucks. And right, which is a high more. molecular weight hyaluronic acid serum, one of the best formulated on the planet. So nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're done. We're we on. didn't need to experience that, Doctor Maxfield, but <laughs> we did anyway. Did. For those of you who are just listening, he applied it to his face, but in a very uh, made-for-camera way. Which That's how I always apply it. This is is like, that how you do it? Yeah. Is that is how it. you do it always? Always. It's, this is. <laughs> do you always like um, smolder after? Apparently, I don't. Otherwise, know it doesn't absorb as well. You have to smolder <laughs> after you apply it. Otherwise, I mean, is it even working? <laughs> All right, so I think that pretty much covers what I wanted to do with splurge or save. Um, speaking of ingredients, let's talk about glycerin hype. You know, this thing is going mm. bananas on social media. I mean, glycerin is the new hyaluronic acid, but maybe mm. it's better. What are your thoughts on that? So, is it? Maybe it's better. Maybe it's better. This is interesting. So glycerin is a unique humectant because if I recall, it activates something called the aquaporin three channels in the skin. And this also can hydrate in a sense as well. So it does bring more to the table than hyaluronic acid in that it can also hydrate a little bit as well. Uh, I think urea actually also activates that same aquaporin channel, but regardless, so it, it moisturizes. The one problem I, I know that glycerin has, and I was looking for this product to play with, but the higher the concentration of glycerin, the tackier it gets. So it doesn't for always sure. sit nicely, um, which is why you'll often find glycerin and hyaluronic acid combined because texturally they complement each other and help offset that, uh, that sensation. Um, 
I, now answer me. So is a humectant though, I feel like I've heard and read contradicting things. Is glycerin really a better humectant than hyaluronic acid? When you look at like holding its weight in water, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but some people find that glycerin is less irritating to the skin than hyaluronic acid is because low molecular weight hyaluronic acid can be irritating to the skin. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that they both have their individual benefits. Hyaluronic acid has a ton of studies to show that it's benefits on the skin. So I wouldn't really toss away hyaluronic acid the way that people have been yeah, tossing yeah. it away. I think the pendulum has swung both ways. One where it was like the most overhyped ingredient of all time. And now to the point where it's just getting beaten up on sort of unreasonably. <laughs> um, the truth is definitely somewhere in the middle on hyaluronic acid. Glycerin, I think, is a great ingredient. But if you look at the back of any moisturizer, you would have to fight to find a product that does not have glycerin in it. Uh, one, because it's so cheap to formulate with. Too, because it does so many things for the skin, like Dr. Maxfield was saying. And so I don't know if I'd be in a rush to find out a, find a glycerin-only product. In fact, I remember last year when I was you know, studying the benefits of glycerin, I went out, and you can't find this in the skincare aisle of your grocery store, but you can find this in like the wound care aisle of your grocery store. 99.5% USP grade hot, a glycerin, $4. So, and that's like a giant bottle of it. So glycerin is very, very, very cheap to formulate with. And um, I think it's a beneficial ingredient to the skin, you know, for sure. So I think it, think it definitely is worth hyping, um, but I, I wouldn't, you know, go out of my way to find a product that is glycerin only. There's a product from Experiment that came out that's like 30%. There's super saturated serum, serum from Experiment. It's 30% uh, glycerin or more, um, but it's also it's got polyglutamic acid, bisobolol, niacinamide, allantoin, and so it has other ingredients that are beneficial in it. So I think that's kind of, it is a little bit of a, a tackier serum, I would say, um, but it is a nice serum, um, but it's not 100% glycerin but it does have these other ingredients that are beneficial to the skin it's been very popular on social media has sold out definitely a few times um, so glad to see its success for sure and um, do you need a standalone glycerin serum probably not but glycerin for sure is a great ingredient yeah I, now one thing i think it's interesting too and is the how much i guess the question would be how much does the concentration of hyaluronic acid or glycerin in a given product matter to how they function because this is a trap that i've fallen into before um i think thankfully more early on a lot hopefully less lately but like at the bottom of an ingredient list let's say you've got like uh licorice that's like a notorious one to throw in the bottom of an ingredient list or something like uh um glutathione i don't it doesn't matter but like an ingredient that's bottom concentrations unknown um, salicylic acid is a good one. Urea is a good one because those function definitely at different concentrations. And so I wonder sometimes, could these dedicated products for hyaluronic acid and glycerin, could they actually be doing more as a dedicated product because they're more, uh, they're there at a higher concentration. They're being used as a deliberate step in your skincare routine, then just throwing it in at the end as not an afterthought, but just kind of mixed in with these all encompassing products. I don't have an answer for that, but I do wonder sometimes if they would function better as a standalone? That's a good question um, about the concentration of ingredients because we don't know a lot of times unless they fully disclose. Like if you look at good molecules and you look at the back of a good molecules product, they always put exactly what concentrations they're formulating each of their products with. 
most of the brands don't give us that level of transparency. So it's very difficult to say if they're at concentrations that are actually effective. Why this is important, like you mentioned, is that the effective dose of certain ingredients need to be formulated at a certain percentage to be effective. And some of them are small percentages, to be fair. If you look at like silymarin or um, a few other ingredients. I mean, you're talking about like 0.3% concentration uh, to be infective or 0.2 or 0.1% concentration. Whereas you look at something like urea needs to be above 10% to be effective. And so it really depends on the ingredient, whether or not the concentration needs to be high or low. Um, but if we don't have insight into what the actual concentration is, we can't know whether or not they're at effective levels for the skin. So that's that's a good point that you bring up. Um, and I think something is worth exploring for sure in your products. So I think I figured out my next t-shirt then. I think I figured it out. So I'm wearing this t-shirt again in case you, this was deliberate, by the way, because I can't spell to save my life. So I had this made for me or this was gifted to me. Now, uh, the- Oh, which by the way, you've wore this shirt before on our podcast. Yes, I have, but it was blurry. So I had to wear it again because I love this shirt. I, this is <laughs> my new favorite shirt. It drove everyone <laughs> crazy in the comment section. <laughs> yeah, which is even better. It work, I mean, it's working. That's what I want out of this. Um, <laughs> where the heck was I going? Oh, stop the hyaluronic hate. Hashtag stop the hyaluronic hate. I think I'm going to- I've been in a neutral it. point with HA, you know, like I liked it for the expansion report before. I'm still kind of touting and blowing on the same horn, if that's the right phrase. But um, I think I've been pretty constant and steady in my approach to hyaluronic acid, whether it was overhyped. Now I think it's underhyped, but I'm, I have hopefully been pretty stand, uh, straightforward. Now, there are some other humectants out there that you can try. I'm a huge fan of aloe vera. Dr. Shaw is... I don't know if he loves this ATIS. I think he's a little cold on this ingredient. I mean, I don't care for it, but I'm not See? against it. <laughs> now, why don't you like it? I mean, I just, I think that it's, I, I just don't think it's that great. You know, some people have allergy to aloe vera. It's okay. It's got some <laughs> antioxidant properties. It may be good for some sunburn, but I'm just not that excited about aloe vera. It's because you haven't held an aloe vera, aloe vera plant in your hand and like cut it up and played with it. <laughs> Have you done that? Yeah. I see that on TikTok all the time. Yeah, I did it. I made, it was my favorite, one of my favorite, my favorite videos I ever put together. I got some aloe vera, cut it up, it messed, messed the gel a little bit. It has a very unique, it's very, to use a raw aloe vera plant, the consistency is very difficult to play with because it is mm. like a solid gelatinous thing. You probably have used the husk and like slap it on your face, but yeah, it's one of the few ingredients that actually has been studied with wound healing. It's actually very well studied. The anthroquinones in it, like you're saying, can be problematic. And that's why using the natural plant may not be the best idea because it has this harmful substance within the plant itself that is removed just like a lot of the, uh, oh, Lord, left my mind. What's the thing that's removed from citrus plants? Furocumerins. Mm -hmm. Those are removed from mm -hmm. citrus plants often before they're put into skincare. So like if you get the Think Sport um or go think sun gel aftercare like if you if you do make a mistake in life and you get a sunburn then you can use this aloe vera care gel thing and it's it's nice and refreshing it does have evidence behind it so, but it's one of those things that's kind of better in skincare than mm. just the plant in my opinion i'll give you your aloe vera and let you, you live with it good um i want to ask you a question dr maxfield what do you want to weigh in on the selena Haley bieber drama
oh my gosh sure let's uh <laughs> let's not <laughs> let's no we it. actually have no interest in, in celebrity drama uh by any means nor do we have a desire to take anyone's side in this however something uh something came up that's sort of in our wheelhouse as a result of this drama um that i think that we can we can talk a little bit about so um a part of all this um situation that occurred and i don't know where it started i don't know where it ended i don't even know if they're actually having conflict with each other quite honestly or that that internet has just created the conflict nor do we want this to turn into a celebrity drama podcast but um as part of this um there has been some body shaming of selena gomez related to her weight and first of all i think that talking about anyone's weight online ridiculous you know you definitely should not be criticizing someone based on the way that they appear and you have no idea what's going on in someone's life you know we saw this with chadwick boseman um when he had Mm -hmm. lost a bunch of weight and people were accusing him of being on drugs Uh, and then we found out that he had cancer and i think this is a very similar situation in which you really should not yes these are celebrities yes they put themselves out in the public eye but you have no idea what's going on internally in someone's life life and you know what they show you is just a glimpse a glimmer of their life and there's always so much more going on um you know one of the reasons um that selena gomez said that she gained weight uh is a result of her medications for lupus and so lupus is in our wheelhouse i want to talk a little bit about how lupus affects the body and how the medications that treat lupus can affect the skin and your appearance that's a very important so that's so important because lupus I mean, the whole, all of that is so important, like the social side of it, the interpersonal relationship side of it. Um, but then also lupus, is, it's a condition I feel like people don't really understand. And I think there's multiple reasons for it because lupus is a whole body condition. Um, there's it, it, it can involve your brain. It involves your joints. It involves your kidneys. And I think Selena Gomez actually had a kidney transplant, which just speaks to the severity of this condition that someone who in her health and in her youth and with all of her means still got to the point where I think she's years removed from a renal transplant at this point. Um, but it's very destructive. And then there's multiple subtypes of skin or cutaneous lupus as well. But let's say you do have it or let's say a person does have it the treatments for it um i i'd say it's it's not like psoriasis where you have magic bullet treatments that are an extremely effective and extremely safe lupus unfortunately falls into another category where the treatments still include something like steroids which there's whole chapters in the medical literature by the way doctors are very at least hopefully at this point a lot of doctors are well aware that steroids have problems both systemically and topically, but systemically they can cause weight loss, bone resorption, glaucoma, and there's whole chapters dedicated in the medical books to things called steroid-sparing agents. Because for a chronic condition like lupus, this is not an option you want to have to turn to, but it's like a necessary evil when you don't have something where you can burst it back. So that can definitely contribute to a lot of weight gain. And then things like Plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine or other other treatments that are kind of a staple for lupus too. Yeah, so with our, so lupus obviously like Dr. Maxfield mentioned, is a debilitating condition that can affect many organs, especially when it's systemic lupus or thematosis. And then it can just affect the skin if it's cutaneous lupus. But for people that have systemic lupus, it can be deadly. You know, it can be a deadly condition. So you have to use these agents that 
can that are immunosuppressive to try to offset these side effects of lupus. And like Dr. Maxfield said, like a kidney transplant also compounds this because when you when someone has a kidney transplant, they need to be on anti-rejection medications forever as well. So not only do you have to suppress the immune system because the person has lupus, but you have to suppress the immune system further because you don't want the kidney transplant to get rejected. And so when you compound these two variables, um, you have to be on really heavy hitting medications. And if I don't know if she's on steroids or corticosteroids in general, but, but corticosteroids like prednisone tend to cause a weight gain. Uh, they tend to cause water retention in people. Uh, they tend to cause fat redistribution in the body. Um, so people end up getting uh, fat in uh, on like their upper back and in their cheeks. Um, and so we see this in any condition where someone has a lot of cortisol, where they uh, they gain a lot of uh, weight in the face. And so, yeah, like that that's what I'm saying is, you know, it kind of goes back to this Chadwick Boseman thing when everyone is making fun of him because of his weight loss, he ends up having cancer. And then you have people body shaming Selena Gomez and she has lupus and had a kidney transplant and needs to be on immunosuppressives to stay alive. And so um, I would just caution anyone from weighing in on people's appearances. I remember that you know, this is actually part of my learning curve on social media. There was uh, Zach. I was going to bring that up. Zach Efron. I was, I was wondering Efron. if you bring that up. Yeah. So Zach Efron, there was a video where his face looked completely different than it had in the past. And there was a lot of speculation on whether or not he had had some plastic surgery done. Now, if you looked at before and after photos, the changes were drastic, right? And I was getting tagged in this a bunch of times. And so I ended up making a video about you know, what types of things happen in the face. And then I ended up taking the video down after a day because I just felt really uncomfortable commenting on someone's appearance. And then the press had reached out to me about what my thoughts were about his appearance. And I ended up giving them a quote that was basically saying, don't like weigh in on other people's appearances because we really just have no idea what's going on in these people's lives. Now, did it look like he had filler done? Yes. Did it look like he had maybe jaw implants? Yes. Um, but you know, he ended up saying that he ended up having uh, injury to his jaw or something like that. So I think he ended up getting in an accident. But either way, I think that it's not wise to speculate. And I've speculated in the past that one time and immediately regretted it and took that video down. And then hopefully corrected it by when I'm talking to the press saying that we shouldn't speculate and I refused to weigh in in that press article. Um, but that being said, you know, I think all of us obviously make mistakes speculating about people um, because they open th their lives to us. But I just, I would always be cautious of that because these are real people that are experiencing real things and your words have impact on people. Yeah, I think that's so important. Um... And that is such a tough thing too on social media, especially, I feel like especially TikTok because TikTok is a platform where there's a lot of interaction. It's like vicarious interaction because everything someone puts out there is actually public facing and because of the duet and stitch features, it's basically, oh, fair game, I'd say, to get people's opinions on. And they didn't, these celebrities, I don't think, put anything out there on that. But TikTok's a very weird community where people are putting a lot of their medical their medical conditions forward, either subtly, vicariously, or deliberately, like, hey, look at this. Because they want Scar the girl. 
Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea what's if that I saw some things. I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm not sure. But I've actually always felt very uncomfortable in that space, too. And I think that's one of the reasons I do very few reactions to medical conditions, which is has a positive and negative effect. Um, but but because I know I'm speculating, like I've not seen this person in real life. Um, so there's a very good chance I'm wrong because they may be mm-hmm. deliberately deceiving you or they may you may not just have the whole picture. But at the same time, I think it's helpful when people do do those kind of duets and say, hey, this is this, this is why, and this is why, because what I've seen, like for you, for example, with HS, with hydradenitis separativa, this is a condition that people live with chronically where you get cysts, boils, scars under the arms, in the groin. It's very private. People don't talk about it. But because of things on social media where like, you're like, hey, this is what this condition is. This is like what you would look for then other people see that and then they have an answer that they may have never seen otherwise so there's there's like two sides of that reaction duetting oh for sure for sure i mean i i weigh in i mean i guess i guess now i'm kind of picking and choosing what i think is an appropriate thing to weigh in on but people tag me hey what is this condition or what are your thoughts on this and i usually only react if they've already said what it was um or they are personally trying to share awareness mm-hmm. about the condition. Um, but I do weigh in every now and then on different conditions, um, but they're not in a way to like talk about maybe something that people are personally not sharing, right? Yeah, Which is right. something like cosmetic procedures or something like a medical condition that they're hiding, but maybe something that they're very forthcoming with. Like I have these boils and painful bumps in my armpits and groin and they really hurt. Does anybody else have this? I might weigh in and say, this is HS. These are the treatments for HS. Go see your dermatologist and trying to raise awareness for those conditions. But I think it's in a way, I do it in a way to to raise awareness for conditions that I don't think get enough attention or somebody shares their Accutane journey and I talk about the benefits and risks of Accutane in that video. Um, I mean, plenty there. I mean, so many, I mean, a lot of my videos are reaction videos at this point. So I'm constantly yeah. weighing in on people's human condition. So I'm not saying that doctors shouldn't weigh in on things and not spread awareness for things and not clarify things online. But I think when you're talking about someone's physical appearance, without them sharing that part of their life, like for example, there's a video I'll probably duet, hot off the press, it's not out yet. <laughs> I, was, I got tagged in this video and this guy gained a lot of weight in his face, but he in the video is saying, I gained a lot of my weight in my face. Like what's going on? My face is so swollen. Um, he ended up having mumps. So I'm going to talk about like the enlargement of the salivary glands and people that have mumps, but he sort of invited that conversation mm-hmm. by asking the audience, like what's going on with my face? Had he gained a lot of weight in his face and not said anything, I would never do at the video and say, Hey, this guy gained a lot of weight. Could be mumps. Could be, you know what I mean? Um, but I think that it, it depends on, on how you position yourself. Right. Like for example, like for scar girl, you know, scar girl is classic right now on TikTok to give people some context. There's a girl with a giant scar on her face that always makes videos kind of highlighting this scar and has become known as scar girl. And she says that the scar is real. A lot of the public think the scar is fake. She continues to insist that the scar is real. I refuse to weigh in on it because I don't know. And she's not sharing it, whether it's true or not. 
And I'm not going to say something about someone's condition that hasn't invited me to do so and has not and is trying to maintain that it's real to the public. Um, there was another girl, similar situation, bunch of bruised looking red spots on the face, um, was tagged in that a bunch of times, could have weighed in because she insisted that the doctors didn't know what was going on with her condition. I kind of stayed out of it. Um, and so I think you have to be wise about how you use your platform um, if you have a platform and make sure that you know, you're educating the audience, but you're not hurting anybody in the process. And I think it's a, it's a tough line to, it's, it's a dynamic, it's a tough line to, to straddle, to put yourself out in the public space and try to maintain neutrality and not hurt anyone's feelings. I mean, I've been, I've hurt people's feelings I, and then I take the videos down because I, I want my platform to be a positive place that everyone feels welcome to learn from. Um, you're not going to get it right 100% of the time, but I think you need to have the humility to realize when you're wrong and then correct that wrong action. And I think that for me, the Zach, uh, what's his name? Efron. <laughs> Zach Efron. Um, Zach Efron experience was something that I learned from. So in the freckles experience, I've told the story before about the yeah. freckles video that I had to take down. And so I think, you know, part of it, part of it is like having the humility to know that like what you put out there was not positive. Yeah. And I think there's grace on both sides. And I think and we talk, we, I think we talk about this more than anybody else. I don't know if I've really heard many other people open up the conversation too often. Like, Hey, I'm going to be wrong. We're going to be wrong. We're trying to do this like genuinely and from a good place. But yeah, things are going to be said. We're going to do things or I've taken on a couple of videos where I learned that lesson too. Someone had obviously it was psoriasis and they said it was something else. I was like, this is psoriasis. And I was like, wait, I probably shouldn't have said that. Like they didn't think it was psoriasis. I was like, this is as obvious as can be. But it's like, all right, all right, I can't do that on social media. But, you know, we we also as creators do need some grace to where, um, you know, we are going to make mistakes. We do need a little bit of freedom in that way because no, we're not seeing these people in person. This is not like a real medical evaluation at any point. This is just us using our professional opinion to try to bring information forward and um hopefully create entertaining but also helpful content that can discuss some of these things that's out there 100 percent. and i also think it comes down to intention right like are you making the video because you think it's helping people or are you making the video because you want to get a lot of views and i think that as long as you're making the video because you really want to educate people then i think that it's a good thing and i think you should go for it and i think if you get negative feedback or criticism of it, evaluate that criticism and act accordingly. But that being said, it kind of goes to the scar girl and the girl with the bruises on her face. Me commenting on that does not help the situation, right? Like if I were to go on there and say, I don't think these this this scar is real, you know, then who does it help, right? Like it doesn't help the person, it doesn't help the public really in any uh real way versus me educating on HS. Like if people got upset that I made a comment about HS, then I would evaluate and potentially remove the video. But I felt like the benefit of educating the public outweighs the risk. And so I think with everything that you're doing, it a lot of times comes down to the intention. Can I get a lot of views if I comment on Scar Girl? Yes. <laughs> right. Like if I comment on that, that thing would have gone crazy. I've been back <laughs> thousands of times a day. Um, if I just made it any video commenting on Scar Girl, it would have went crazy. But I don't think it would have helped anybody. And so I just think that you have to evaluate it on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah, I think it's fair. Best judgment, good intentions, and that's all you can ask of anybody. Right. What they say, the what the road to, what's the what's the phrase? The road to somewhere is paved with good intentions. Oh, isn't it failure? 
I don't know. The road but, uh, but anyway, I mean, we do our best, and then we hope the world gives us some grace, as we always say. So thank you all so much uh, for tuning into this episode of Doctorly Unhinged. We appreciate and love all of you. Make sure that you subscribe, uh, add us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on YouTube, we're on uh, Spotify, and we're on Apple Podcasts, um, <laughs> where you can listen to us and listen to our banter as the the brits say yeah we appreciate you all as always thanks for being a part of this journey and we will see you next time see you in the next one